Hey there, listeners. Welcome to the official WNRG podcast. We believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insight into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. And I'm Brittany Lemaire. We are looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Be intentional. Stay curious. And inspire others. You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us. Hashtag WNRG Podcast Series. Well, we welcome to the studio Irene Hustiano. Did I say that correctly? Very close. Just missed the end that everybody Justiniano? missed. Hustiniano? There you go. Hustiniano. Okay. Hustiniano. I should know that. You should, Carmen. I know. So. <laughs> but we welcome you, and we're thankful that you're here today with Brittany and Tara and myself, and we're glad you're live in the studio, came walking down from the other building in Louisville. Uh, so please, tell us a little bit about Irene. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Actually, when I got the email um, that you guys wanted to record me, I was like, wow, really me? Oh, that's so cool. So so thank you. Thank you. Um, so what can I tell you about me? Uh, I started at Humana back in 2004. And so I did not, I know, please don't hate me. I did not choose <laughs> necessarily, you know, to work for Humana. That wasn't my first choice. I actually uh, worked at a bank and I was laid off in 2004 after six and a half years of working for the bank. So I was devastated. And so basically, like many banks do, where they buy out all these other banks and then you have to reduce um, um, uh, the the workforce. So uh, pretty much everybody that was in Louisville was pretty much losing their job. So I ended up getting a job with the bank that I could do remotely from home. Um, and that was when I, my first hand at training virtually. So doing what we called web instructor-led learning. And, um, and I did that for close to a year when then I got the dreaded phone call that my position was being eliminated. So ended up uh, coming over to Humana to work in um, the the training department, what was then known as NEPD, National Education and Policy Development. And I came in as I had zero health insurance knowledge. Like I said, it was my first choice. But um, as life, you know, and good fortune would have it, it, it was where I needed to be. Uh, I, I got a really nice job offer uh, for the training department, came in to be a group setup trainer. So I did get to do some traveling around the markets. But my heart was not in training systems and how to load uh, groups in the system. I wanted uh, to be able to work more with teams and leaders and develop teams and develop leaders. So in a conversation with my manager, I did, you know, have just slip that in somewhere and, and just said, hey, did you know that I have this experience and background from when I worked at the bank in leadership development and team development and soft skills training? So if ever there's a need, you know, just let me know and I'll be happy to take it on as a special project or anything like that. And um, eventually, a position actually came up, a team was formed where they were focusing on leadership and team development. And I actually got tapped on the shoulder and told you should apply for this job. And so that was in 2006. And I, I stayed doing that work. The job morphed from 
being a, a facilitator, doing leadership development, coming into teams, uh, consulting with leaders in areas to find gaps in performance uh, that had to, that, you know, that tied back to leadership skills and um, soft skills for the associates. And I did that. And then it morphed into more consulting. And then, you know, just the opportunity to go out and, and get certified through different vendors on different programs. And I did that until 2011 when I um, took the job that I'm in now, but started very different from what it looks like today. So over, I don't know how long I've been in this role then, <laughs> seven years, um, it, it has morphed. And I went from being an individual contributor to leading my own team of culture consultants. And um, so my journey at Humana has really been uh, a series of me looking for opportunities where uh, I know something is needed and there's a gap but there's not necessarily nobody saying, hey, we need somebody to do this or we need somebody to do that. And it's been more of me raising my hand and saying, hey, did you know that I like to do this? And, you know, and I have some expertise in these areas and I'm happy to help and share that. And that's kind of what has landed me to where I am today. And I have the awesome pleasure to be led by you, mentored by you and be a you're my great friend, so mm-hmm. I am thankful to be part of your team and learned a lot. And so I understand where you are now mm-hmm. and what uh, what you provide to your organization. Uh, so tell us a little bit about culture. All right. So, so yeah, so I lead, and I didn't say exactly what I did now. So I lead the culture team in the provider process and services organization led by Donna Hunley. And so I have the privilege of leading an awesome team. Carmen is one of my associates. Um, and what we do is we focus on the associate experience. So, you know, you hear Bruce and you hear all of our executives talking about the member experience and the provider experience and how we have to create that perfect experience for both members and providers. So I have the great pleasure of working with my team on creating the perfect experience for our associates because our members and our providers are only going to get as good an experience as our associates have. So we need to have folks who are focusing on our people and, and, and you know, obviously the leaders focus on them, but we need to take it a step, not but, and we need to take it a step further and have, and so what my team does is we look at um, data from our well-being snapshots and we look at the well-being snapshots. We have about 10 or 11 snapshots within our organization alone. We're 7,000 associates, internal and external. So that's Humana and vendors. So it's 7,000, a large organization, and I have a team of five. Six wow. when you include myself, wow. and we support 7,000 people, yes. So what, is what you're saying. <laughs> just a tad, not, not any more than anybody else. But um, what we try to do is then look at, and, and, and we, I want to you know, emphasize that we use data because we use the well-being snapshot to uh, find the gaps in, our dimen- in the well-being dimensions like health and security, purpose and belonging, and finding what are those areas where we can bridge the gap. And, and, we, and we come up with some initiatives and we talk with our leaders and we, we survey our associates. So we're not just randomly selecting things, but we are actually um, doing it strategically. So when I talk about our culture, culture is a part of our strategy. We do it very, very intentionally. We're not just seeing kind of what sticks and what fits and what can be the flavor of the month, but really what are people need using the data from like the snapshot. We also use the well-being engage. I'm not sorry, not well-being. The associate engagement data as well, and um, we use that to inform ourselves in areas where our associates may be feeling like um, they're not getting what they need, whether that be from their leader, their direct leader, from the organization, or even the enterprise as a whole. And so finding the opportunity to create 
some um, initiatives, and, and that can also be focusing on the leaders. This year, we're focusing on the leader effectiveness score from the engagement survey data and looking at what are those practices that, um, that, our, need, that our leaders need to get better at or even just continue to capitalize on if they're currently strengths of theirs, and um, how can we make sure that our associates are, are getting what they need. So, um, so, you know, we also do communications. We do a lot of work on inclusion and diversity. We're actually getting ready to roll out a um, inclusion and diversity workshop created by our team, uh, Kate Jure on my team. She um, has been working on a unconscious bias awareness training. Oh, so fun. Awesome. I'm so happy to see that roll out. Yeah. So that's just a little bit. I mean, there's a ton, but I could take up all day with this. <laughs> well, question, is that um, unconscious bias training going to be available for associates to take? Yes. So we are going to be piloting it in PPS. Um, it's like what I tell everybody. You know, when we do something, we create a lot of our own uh, materials and programs. And so we like to test it out in our organization and see kind of how it goes and tweak it as needed and make it as close to perfect as possible. And then we're going to be very, very uh, diligent about sharing it. We believe in organizational generosity. Mm. And so we want to make sure that we share that with um, anybody who needs it and wants it. Um, that is a really awesome phrase. That is kind of a, like summarizing <laughs> the goal of our podcast. That is amazing. I, that we're gonna have to write that down and steal that. Or <laughs> you're welcome tribute, to have it. A tribute and borrow <laughs> and engage. Uh, you're welcome to have it. It's part of sharing knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you had mentioned perfect experience. You also um, are the moderator for that every year. Can you share a little bit more about the perfect experience and the summit? And- yes, yes. So um, it's one of those things that. I, I always joked around. So Jason Fonder, um, you know, he's he's the director over the you know Perfect Experience team in the Consumer Experience Department, and um, so we were coworkers in NEPD. And he tells the story of how I came to share the stage with him for for being an MC at the summits. And so um, we always, when we worked together, talked about how like this like the summit <laughs> of our career or um, like on our bucket list at Humana, we we both had. Uh, getting to MC the summit at some point. And so when he came to have that role, he he remembered a conversation we had where, where we kind of committed to each other. If I ever get to be in charge of that, I'll bring you in as an MC and vice versa. So so that's how I got to be involved uh, with it. And um, it's been an amazing experience. You know, just it has helped me really be able to connect with with Bruce just on a one-on-one basis because I've introduced him for the past couple of years. On a one-on-one basis. Bruce and I are on a one on a first basis. He's my BFF. I've got selfies with him. (laughs) Yes, I do. I've showed them to my kids. (laughs) Um, They think it's cool, by the way. Who wouldn't? Right? Who wouldn't? I think it's a highlight of and honestly it's like when I'm doing the summit it doesn't even feel like work it's because it's it is a dream come true for me I love doing that kind of work I love I love um the stage and 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 a lot of people won't admit that because they they you know they tend to feel like oh it sounds like I am uh, like I want the limelight. I don't like the stage because of the limelight. I like the stage because it gives me energy because I draw energy from people. Yep. And when mm-hmm. they're there and it's and to me, it's exciting because it's great information. I get to introduce great people to them that have great presentations yes. to share. And, and it's all about giving back to them. And I feel I'm at my best when I get to give of me to others. So that's why I like being on that stage. Not because, oh, look at me. Everybody's seeing me. It's because I draw um, energy from the group because I know 
know that we're pouring we're pouring into them and and i i i love that that and, is spot on and yeah, that is, that's how i mean i've gotten to see you twice now and i mean you just you handle that stage beautifully you can feel the energy the authenticity of it thank you know you. and it is those are the most powerful things i, I love those summits i was uh-huh. about to share that's exactly what i got i went back and had watched the 2014 positive um, thought leadership um, that you spoke with Mark uh, Smithson on, mm-hmm. and I just I was so engaged from the get go that the whole energy level completely changed <laughs> as soon as you stepped out there. Um, can you share a little bit about positive thought leadership? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, and, and thank you for that kind feedback. Um, so the the positive leadership, and and I know that took me back a trip on memory lane. Wow, 2014 and Mark Smithson, because you know he's retired now. It is still so relevant. Like I, <laughs> I I've shared it. it around with my my entire I team. I love it. I love it. Okay. So so, well, for those of you who who, who don't uh, haven't heard about the positive leadership, so in our organization we rolled out positive leadership uh, a couple of years ago, and we actually rolled it out in 2012 to our people leaders, and then in 2013 to our uh, frontline associates. So, um, you know, at one point, of course, we've grown, but at one point, our entire organization, from frontline associate to director, had been to VP, had been through the positive leadership program, and so it's it's a program that we designed. Um, so, Kate. Jure- and my team and myself, we we designed it and it's based off of the book uh, titled Positive Leadership Strategy Strategies for Extraordinary Performance. So again, positive leadership strategies for extraordinary performance. And the author is, is skipping my my mind, so I apologize about that. But um, what that what that program was designed to do was we had just come off of doing a program around servant leadership, and what we're trying to do is really get our leaders to understand that in order to have the outcomes, the business outcomes that we want to have, and, and frankly that we need to have because we are right running a business here, um, in order to to get those results we need to shift certain behaviors and certain habits and a lot of that starts with how we think and a lot of that starts with how we treat our people right and the behaviors that we exhibit as leaders so positive leadership it it comes from the um from the research or the the school of psychology that that's positive psychology. So a couple decades ago when right when when psychology was focusing on all the things that go wrong with human beings and and when the study around um, you know mental disorders and emotional disorders like schizophrenia, bipolarism, OCD, anxiety disorders, depression and all that. So when all that was like getting out there and people were were using that terminology, this this other group of psychologists decided to take a different approach to psychology. And one of one of um, the gentlemen, his name is Martin Seligman. And Martin Seligman, and then uh, the other um, doctor, I can't remember his name, but what they what they decided to focus on was what's right with human beings. So instead of the what makes us sick, what makes us good, what are our strengths? Flip and Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. Flip the script so that so that we can be more successful, but even more than just being successful so that we can thrive, which is what we were made to do. So to thrive. And, and, um, so in PPS, we, um, we still to this point as people join the organization we've automated it so now it's a CBT so anybody who comes you know joins the organization um, gets gets to participate in that program because we want folks to understand um, that in order to create a great workplace we we create it it's not just going to happen on its own so we have to do things like create a positive climate have positive communications build positive relationships and find positive meaning in our work and those are the four strategies so I'll say them again and the four strategies to create extraordinary performance using positive leadership are creating a positive climate, 
building positive relationships, having positive communications, and finding positive meaning in the work that you're doing. Yeah, those are also just dovetailing onto, like, there's, I'm finishing my master's in human resources, and they have um, these six key traits of a high-performing culture. And Peter Drucker um, Mm -hmm. says that, you know, culture eats strategy for, like, lunch. And so, (laughs) and, you know, the leaders have to be, you know, delivering on this. So, Mm -hmm. like, I just, I loved what you said, and I just... Fully, I'm all on board. I love it. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, to your point, too, with the culture revolution that we're working on, you just mentioned Peter Drucker talking about uh, culture, eating strategy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, (laughs) and snack time. (laughs) Um, um, uh, In the culture revolution, we talk about how when when it comes to being a successful organization, you, you know how... All, almost all organizations are right, right their strategy and their structure and they've got that down to a T but when the culture does not support when the culture is not in alignment the strategy. with the strategy Problem. what you get is yes what you get is what they call the um oh I Oh, the culture. What is it? The jaws, the jaws of culture or something like that. It's just like it's just imagine like a shark, like chomping up on your ideas and initiatives Mm -hmm. and spitting them out as chum. Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. You have to support it all. It all connects. Yes. Yes. Now, you said we know the PPS is provider process and services, but you also mentioned CBT. What does CBT stand for? Thank you, Carmen. I try to catch myself on those acronyms. CBT stands for computer-based module, or sorry, computer-based training. So it's just a short way of saying, saying, um, you know, a computer-based training. So it's where you can do it self-paced and you don't have to have a facilitator. So you do it at your own time, at your own speed, at your own leisure, et cetera. So it makes it easier and more accessible. So we found as as we grew as an organization, we we don't have enough resources to have somebody um, you know, get to a person who just joined the organization to do the class. Plus, you don't want a class of one. Right. Can you talk a little bit more about culture evolution as well? Like, just what is it? Yes. So the culture evolution is, so it's an experience that we, um, I know that at least we officially rolled out, started rolling out back in the summer of 2017. But I know that talks with the company began earlier than that. So probably for the last um, year to two years, year and a half to two years. And um, so we partnered with a company by the name of Sendelaney, and they're known you know, in the industry as culture shaping, a culture shaping company. And, um, and so what they do is they work with different businesses to, and they come in and they work to help create a, you know, a culture where people want to be in that's going to help the, the organizations and the firms be successful. And so um, when they came into Humana, the neat thing is that they found that Humana had an awesome culture. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, we're not, it's not called culture transformation and, you know, it's called culture evolution because we had, we had, right, when they came in, a, a really good solid culture. So all we needed to do was, you um, just get do a little work around uh, some specific areas and so um so it was a real easy match and, and it wasn't that you know Sendelaney was picked out of a hat there was uh, different companies that that we looked at and and Sendelaney aligned the best with our values and who we are as a as an entity and um so what we've been doing so what culture evolution is it's a it's an experience it's like a one to two day experience that we put our leaders through and um it's called an unfreezing session. And the reason it's called an unfreezing session is because it's meant to um, unfreeze certain behaviors. 
um, as leaders. And, you know, over time, even the best of leaders over time can get a little bit burnt out or can adopt a couple of habits that maybe don't suit them that well anymore. You know, you've all heard what got you here won't get you there. And there's, you know, there's some truth to that. So we need to constantly evolve as human beings and we need to evolve as leaders. And so the culture evolution really is just taking us back to the very basics of what it means to be um, a good leader. You know, are we listening to our people? Are we in the moment when they're talking to us? Are we giving them our full attention? Are we giving coaching? Coaching, you know, as much for appreciation as well as coaching for improvement. It's about understanding the dynamics of the team and the different personalities and the different behavior styles and also about focusing on our priorities. You've heard about blue chips. So that's all around, you know, that we all have a million things going on every day and and we can only give our attention to a certain number of those things. So what are we focusing on? And is that what's going to yield us the best results and give us, you know, get us to to meet our goals? Um, A couple of other things that we talk about as well are the mood elevator. That's another common one you've probably heard of or seen the poster. And that that really just goes back to the human behaviors and acknowledging that we're all human beings and we all have stuff that we go through and it and we need to check ourselves right I think it's just as simple as that check we need to check ourselves and so the mood elevator gives us some common language for people to, to be able to say you know I'm not at my best today or you're gonna struggle I'm you may struggle with me today I may struggle with you and it just gives us that common language and also I guess just the the opportunity to the space to really say those things and and it be okay and those are just a couple there's a lot more like the accountability ladder when we think about our guiding behaviors you know collaboration speaking up empowerment the culture evolution work is is all geared towards helping us as leaders so that we can help our associates to be more collaborative and even us as leaders be collaborative and empower our associates and make sure that they're speaking up and that we're taking action when they're speaking up. So what, you know, what has been the feedback from leaders about the culture evolution? Because I'm sure a lot of frontline associates may or may not be familiar with yes, it. That's, that's a good point. Um, so I have the privilege, a great privilege of having um, gone through the certification process last year and becoming a a certified culture evolution facilitator. And it's been one of the most rewarding experiences. Um, You know, I've had people come out of those workshops with just even though they had worked with each other for a while in some cases, um, they at one point where they share feedback with one another, the feedback has been so meaningful to them. And you can tell that they that that it's genuine and authentic because some people have gone way back into their archive banks, you know, their memory banks of, you know, 10 years ago when I first started in this job or when I first started at Humana, you did this or you said that all in, you know, in positive ways. And um, so I, I think that this experience has, was brought to Humana at the right time, right when our when our leaders were really needing it. You know, we just went, I know it was 2015, it's going to be three years now, but the whole Aetna thing and a lot of uncertainty and, you know, I could definitely sense a different vibe in the organization, well, in the, in the company when we were you know, when the talks of the merger with Aetna were still ongoing and, and then when it was moving through and we started having those meetings with them. And so before it was um, before it was declined um, or not declined, but before we broke up. There you yeah. go. <laughs> you got the breakup. That <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Tara. would say <laughs> we broke up. That, that you're right. That's the best way to say it. So before the breakup. Um, <laughs> Uh, you can sense, you can sense uh, the tension um, 
in you know meetings and on conference calls, just everybody had this I have to look out for myself mentality. So honestly, collaboration went out the window. And like we put bars on those windows and padlocks on the doors because it was like, I need to save myself. And so I need to make sure that I'm the go-to person. And I saw that. And so I think that the culture revolution work came at the, at the right time to help unfreeze us from some of those mindsets. Is the culture evolution curriculum just for leaders? No, it's not. Um, there is a cost though. And, and one of the things that the approach of this, so it's very strategic. So it's not really just because of the cost. It's a strategic approach because these are, in order for the work to be successful that we're trying to drive with the culture revolution, it has to come from the very top. So the approach has been, you know, top to bottom. So the goal is to get to as many people as possible, even those who are non-people leaders. And the reality is I don't know how long that's going to take because of the size of the company and and again the resources but the the idea is there there's a there's a phrase that we say or share in the workshop and it's you know we talk about the cult, the shadow of the leader and so we're used to seeing things cascaded right and perfect experience is an example so the message is delivered the leaders get it we ask them to cascade it to their teams well with the culture evolution work it's a little bit different when a leader goes through the workshop what we ask them to do is we ask them to be the cascade for the shadow that they cast to be what speaks to people in terms of this is you know what being here now looks like. This is what being curious instead of um, negative looks like. So we ask the leader to go back and practice so that their associates see that change in them. Or in some cases, it's not a change. It's just a reinforcement because a lot of our leaders are already doing a lot of these things. So it's really more of reinforcing that message and, and asking our leaders to be the ones to live it, you know, in flesh, in flesh and blood and, and have their folks see it because that's really that's the best way for anybody to understand something is when they see somebody else living it and practicing it when they're modeling it there you yeah. go right. and that that makes it okay to replicate the behavior or anything else then. hi this is Teresa butler one of your friendly wnrg podcast series producers and i'd like to thank you for listening to part one of our interview with irene justiniano stay tuned for part two to drop next week and that's it for this episode You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us, hashtag WNRG podcast series. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others.